Was the Lord making you aware of anything yet? Yeah. At first, when the Lord makes us aware of our need for his love, those areas where maybe we've refused him, it's painful, isn't it? Because we begin to feel dejected, feel like, ugh, what now? But the Lord is always saying, no, it's love. If, that's why I love the scripture, the woman of the well. He doesn't, he knows it. He knows what he's going to do. And he knows what she's about. But he approaches her with love. And that's what, that's what we always have to remember. That the Lord always approaches us with love. That's why I said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. You know I love you. He wanted Peter to remember the need for his love to be what animated his actions towards Christ. Because everything Christ does is animated by love. And so again, that's why we, why we are here today is to look at ourselves in the light of God's love in that noonday sun and to leave, like, again, like the woman at the well, to leave the old things behind, the old ways of being fed and satisfied. At that time, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children... You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives a child, one child such as this in my name, receives me. What a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And recall this, these are the apostles who are asking this question. Why do you suppose they are asking Jesus this question? Who is the greatest? You think it was just curiosity? Or were they seeking something? Remember James and John, have us, Lord, sit at your left and your right. So I think they were seeking something. They were wanting to be the ones who Jesus said, you're the greatest. You're okay, you're right here, you're right here. But you two, you're the greatest. That's what they wanted, maybe. Maybe I'm putting my own spin on that scripture. You're great, Father Walter, you're great. <laughs> but to be the greatest and at times in our life we want to be considered the greatest right to be the spiritual Muhammad Ali right the greatest who, who can fight every fight who can do everything spiritually but the Lord is saying no you cannot be the greatest it cannot be that way with you is what he'll say envy and jealousy wanting the best place it's hard to believe it was that the apostles did this isn't it but we see in, in their desire, we see in their question, and we see in his response, the truth of his love, once again. Bringing a child in their midst. Not judging what they said, not saying, hey guys, you're all wrong. He said, no, he, he taught them. By being kind, by addressing the fear that was there, the desire that was there, and really taking away its power by bringing this child, this humble child in their midst and said, imitate him. When you imitate this child, when you receive someone who is weak and incapable of taking care of themselves, such as this child, then you receive me. Such a great lesson. Envy and jealousy. The Catechism in, in um, paragraph 2539, which speaks of envy, it says, envy is a capital sin. It refers to the sadness at the sight of another's goods 
and the immoderate desire to acquire those goods for oneself, even if unjustly, when it wishes harms to, and the catechism goes on, when this sin of envy goes on to wish harm toward its neighbor, it becomes a mortal sin. St. Thomas, in speaking about envy, says that it's an irrational sorrow at another's good. Have you ever felt that way? To see if, if you see someone who has something, a possession or a gift or whatever that you want, there's some sorrow, some sadness. Or if someone is chosen over us, at times that's difficult, and where we want to be in a place of honor. We want to be able to do this ministry or that ministry or to do, do this position or that position and someone else is chosen. Maybe there's some sorrow there. And even in that sorrow, maybe we begin to try to tear that person down, right? Out of envy to say, oh, well, he or she, well, did you know this? And try to really tear them down in their new position so that we can be elevated, be lifted up. Cyprian of Carthage, when writing about envy, said, to be jealous of what you see to be good and to be envious of those who are better than yourself seems, my brothers and sisters, in the eyes of some people to be a slight and petty wrong and being and being trifling or on, on a small account. It is not feared, not being feared. It is contemned. And being contemned, it is not easily shunned and thus it becomes a dark and hidden mischief. Envy is a sin all the more heinous in proportion as its wickedness is hidden. So what Cyprian is saying here is that when there's envy, and think about that, quite often if there's envy in our life, if there's a jealousy, we're not going to go right, announce that to all our fa friends and family. Hey, I'm envious of you, I'm jealous of you. We hide it, we push it down, and we act out of that envy. We act out of the fear and the jealousy that is around that sin, that capital sin in our hearts, and our and our and our responses to us and our treatment of others are animated by that sin rather than being animated by love. And that's why Cyprian says it's more heinous because we're not willing to unbury it, right? To unearth it, to uproot it, as we've heard said, to pull up those weeds that are poisonous in our hearts. St. Augustine saw envy as a diabolical sin from which are born hatred, detraction, calumny, joy, and joy caused at the misfortune of our neighbor and displeasure at his good, for, at his good fortune. Have you heard that word? It's a German word, schadenfreude, before you heard that word. It's a big word that basically means that when someone else has a bad day, we're happy that they had a bad day, right? We delight in their good. Oh, good, you know? wouldn't say that, but interior they're going, oh good, that'll knock them down a peg. That's envy. That's jealousy. So envy really at its root is an ingratitude toward God. Do you see that? How envy can be ingratitude if you're, if you're envious of another's gifts, then you're, ingrate, you're ungrateful to God. You're also, almost or we also, when we find ourselves doing this, are making ourselves out to be God because we know better. Why does he have those gifts? Why does she have those gifts? Lord, you know I could use those better. <sighs> they got all these gifts and they do nothing with them. What a waste. Have you ever heard that said before? Maybe we've thought that before. And if we have, and we recognize it, praise God, we've recognized it. Lord, forgive me. I've messed up. Let me see the truth of your love and your love for the other person. 
James 3.16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every foul practice. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, In the course of time, Cain brought, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the ground, while Abel on his part brought the fatty portion of the firstlings of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and dejected. We see where envy brings, what envy and jealousy in Cain, what it brings about, right? It brings about, as Cyprian said, that, that sin, or that, excuse me, that, as our as our catechism said in verse chap, in paragraph twenty five thirty nine, it brings about that mortal sin of murder, that he puts Abel to death. At the approach, and this is from First Samuel eighteen six through nine, at the approach of Saul and David on David's return after striking down the Philistine, women came out from all the cities to meet Saul the king, singing and dancing with tambourines, joyful songs, and stringed instruments. The women played and sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry and resentful of the song, for he thought they give David tens of thousands, but only thousands to me. All that remains for him is my kingship. From that day on, this is interesting, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. A jealous eye. Have you ever looked at anyone with a? I'm not asking you to show have a show of hands here, so you're safe. Have you looked at someone with a with a jealous eye? Maybe not now. Maybe when you're younger or whatever. Had a jealous eye. Oh, I want that. Oh, I do better things than she does and he does. The jealous eye. Think of if if Saul could have rejoiced in. Really, what was here is the love that God had for the for the people of Israel. That He was raising up warriors, but Saul was focused on his own needs, his petty needs, and his petty selfishness. Maybe this was the cause of the migraines that, that he suffers from so greatly. Was that jealousy and that inferiority, and that and that lack of of remembering, or that excuse me, that failure to remember that he also was God's chosen one. He was selected by God to be king of Israel. And yet there was a jealousy in him because he thought something was being taken away. Glory was being taken away from him. But yet you see they recognized they were singing and dancing at the success as a people. But again, Saul got lost in jealousy. There's countless, countless modern day examples, right? We can see throughout the news, which our news loves to highlight is those moments of, of envy and jealousy where pain and sorrow were caused because of someone having this towards this person or that person. Either they kill them or they beat them or they do things that are unspeakable and uncalled for as Christians. A recent University of Michigan uh, study reported that, more, that the more frequently a person uses Facebook, this is interesting, the more poorly they feel about their own life. Think of all these status updates, right? So as these status updates go and these tweets and whatever, I'm not saying these are bad things, right? These are things we use, social media, to, to communicate. That the more a person uses those and gets lost in that, in that, use of, in, in that loss of time, 
It may be a waste of time at times. Maybe there's an inordinate amount of time spent for some of these things that they begin to feel less than, that now, okay, this person has that, so I have to have that. That's envy and that's jealousy motivating these desires within our hearts. It's very interesting. So what is what is it that this green eye monster that takes a hold of us so often, the same thing that took a hold of Saul, again, it's just a, a fear, a fear of not being loved or a forgetfulness of being loved and a forgetfulness of that God wants to provide for us. He says he provides for everyone. Envy is a very potent cause of our unhappiness, and that's true. When envy is there, there's unhappiness. <laughs> we are unhappy at the good of others. We want to outdo them what they've done. You ever, have you ever wanted to outdo what someone has done? In a competitive nature, yes, that's part of our society maybe, but just for the sake of outdoing them, not for the sake of doing well on your own and doing your best, but for the sake of beating them. That competitiveness, when it's out of that envy or out of, out of that need just to beat that person and not be our best, not be who God's calling us to be, then that's that can be sinful. Or to undo what someone has done. Either through our words, you know, yeah, it was all really good, but did you, you know, why did they do that? I don't, you know, I don't, do you know why they did that? I, I don't know why. Just sort of detract slowly, subtly, right, from others. And we may not even know we're doing it. But again, that's why we look at, we look at ourselves in the light of God's love in that noonday sun. So we can see these little patterns that may, may exist in our lives that revolve around our ego rather than revolving around the Son himself. It's important to look at. In one way, a remedy for this, just in a, uh, moving into remedies shortly, is the more frequently you can go to confession, so this is going to be scary, are you ready for it? Once a week. <laughs> Church says once a year, right? But if you could go once a week, think of how aware of your sins you would become, of those subtleties, those little things. Because right now, maybe if we go to confession once a year or once every three months, then it feels like a laundry list. Well, I just confessed all this last time. But if we go once a week, we begin to see the small things, those small infractions that are really the root of that laundry list. And so the more frequent, frequently we can go to confession, the less the laundry list becomes. Does that make sense? Because we're working on it. We're working on those things. And we're not working on it where we're dejected or, or, we're, or we're beating ourselves down, but we're saying, I know you love me and I want to be my best because you love me and you've called me to this. And with your strength, with your grace, I can do it. Right? Jealousy and envy are not the same thing, although sometimes we confuse them as such. So jealousy is the fear of losing something or something being taken away from us. You know, sometimes we can see jealousy, and this, I think probably all of us have had this at once. You ever had a best friend, right? Now when that best friend gets another potential best friend, you ever had that happen to you when you are younger? How the jealousy comes in and you're afraid that this friendship's being taken away. Boyfriends and girlfriends, this is being taken away because your friends, all the friends are, you know, that you're competing for relationships. That's jealousy. But envy, again, is a resentment caused by another person having what we desire but do not have. 
And so, again, this desire could be something that we want already, but it could be something we want just because they have it. We want to one-up them, right? Keeping up with the Joneses, but not, not only keeping up with the Joneses, as we, as we used to say, but to exceed what the Joneses have. So envy causes within us, can you hear it? A frantic emptiness. We always feel less than. We always feel like we, we don't have enough. And everything that's going to flow from that sense of not having enough, of needing, of needing more, of wanting more, not for the sake of, of, of it fulfilling us, but because we have to have it. And then it goes on and on and on. Which, same thing, it eventually killed Saul. So envy causes us this emotional pain, this lack of self-worth, because we can consistently and constantly compare ourselves to others, what they have, what, and, and in seeing that what they have, we reflect on what we don't have. And again, you see that ingratitude there? If we reflect on what we don't have, then we can't be grateful to God for the gifts he's given us already. And if we're not grateful to the gifts God has given us already, then we can't use them in our lives. I believe each one of us, brothers and sisters, has been given a unique gift by God, the Father, that only we can express. There's more gifts than we can imagine, more gifts than our words can label. But imagine that. What if, each one, what if this were true? If each one of us had one portion of the Father's heart, one gift that he wanted the world to have, that he wanted to express through us, and we didn't express it because we were lost in envy. We were lost in seeing what we don't have by comparing ourselves to what others have. That would be sad because God, to be fully alive in us, he wants to use the gifts he's given us. He wants to use our weaknesses. St. Paul, when I am weak, he is strong. In my sufferings, Christ is made present. It's difficult no question about it. Jesus was not mincing words when he said, if you follow me, it's going to be tough. You're going to be put to death. And he didn't just, he did, maybe he meant physically death, physical death for those first disciples, but I suspect he also meant spiritual death. You must die to yourself. You must die to these, these disordered desires in your heart, these envies, these jealousies, all these sins we're looking at today. You must die to them so that I can be alive in you. And I've given you the remedy. I've given you the graces you need. Just ask me for them. Ask me to express them through you. So we get this lowered self-esteem that skews our perception of what true happiness is. Right? If only I had that, I could be happy. Lord, if I want a million dollars, then everything would be fine. Think of all those. Have you ever seen those shows, those exposés on those people who have won the lottery? How many of them are happy? I mean, really, after they've won the money, are they really happy? Their lives are sometimes worse off than before. So it didn't bring what they wanted. Not everyone, but it didn't bring what they expected. So sometimes that which we desire, you know, solely for the sake of, of having it, doesn't bring us what, what, what God wants us to have. Thinking of my own journey, had, had I followed my own path, my own way to where God was wanting, I'd be a priest in Arkansas right now. I mean, really, truth be told, because that's the direction that I, I wanted to go. But it, as you die to things, and as you hear God calling calling us in grace, then he's going to lead us to places we never thought we would be. And we find blessing, we find life where he takes us. 
thinking too as we think of envious you remember the older brother wouldn't you say he was envious of the younger son and envious of the father it's always a good scripture to reflect upon during Lent am I the older brother am I the younger brother am I the extravagant father quite often I find myself being the older brother but that's just where I have to pray at times being the youngest of ten that's where I feel and so that's where the Lord can bring me healing so when you hear scriptures that speak to you, ask the Lord, which person should I pray with? Which person should I identify myself with? And then pray with that person's emotion in the scripture and allow the Lord to heal you, allow the Lord to bring you out of whatever you're experiencing. I'm thinking of, of how jealous the people must have been when, um, when Zacchaeus, when they asked for Zacchaeus, he went to Zacchaeus' house and ate. Think about that. Well, he's a sinner. I'm a good guy. We're a good family. Come eat with us. Why did you pick him? What a lesson that was. How God leads with his heart. How God leads with love. It was love of Zacchaeus. And you see, once Zacchaeus recognized the love, you know, and, the, uh, and, the, and, and once, he was rec- once he recognized that Jesus recognized him or saw him as a person and not as a sinner, he converts it's in being seen by our Lord. That's why we need to have ourselves seen in the light of God's love because then that's when conversion takes place because then we have confidence that we are loved. The prodigal son returns because he was confident in who the father was. And then he, had it, then he was drawn into confidence of the father's love once he was clothed again and received fully back in into that generous spirit. So to be confident in God's love. So a symptom of envy, did you hear that from St. James? I'll read it again. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and there is disorder in every foul practice. So selfish ambition he's equating with jealousy and envy. So selfish ambition always is 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 always living in the future, right? These are the words of St. James. So um, success of others of others bothers us. So we, again, want to get ahead. That's part of the ambition. I want to get ahead of them. I want to beat them. I want to have more money. I want to have more toys. We hear that in our society, right? We always list who are the richest people in the world. Who cares who the richest people in the world are, right? We're all rich in Christ. But yes, that's part of the ambition of the world. What, they're, what, what the enemy is trying to entice us into but we cannot be fooled if we live in the light of the sun and our lives revolve around him. So envy, so, so you see this, so envy always lives in the past, right? Always thinking of what could have, you know, oh, and always looking to, to what we don't have. But we're ashamed to admit it. And that ambition lives in the future. So if we're envy or envious or ambitious, we can't be where God is. We can't be in the present moment. Who did who did God say tell Abraham he was? You remember? Everybody? I am. Right? Just thinking just thinking using using our, our English skills, present moment tense, right? I am. I live in the present moment. I'm a God of the present moment. I can heal your past. I can take care of your future if you let me but not if you live in either one of those. You have to reside with me in the present moment with the great I am. 
There is nothing more difficult to cure than envy, our spiritual writers tell us. And nothing causes the soul more suffering, more vexation or torment of mind and discomfort. But the Catechism gives us some remedies. Fervent prayer. Paul says, pray without ceasing. This is also a remedy to sloth that we'll talk about later. Fervent prayer. And to pray without ceasing doesn't mean we're always on our knees or in front of the sacrament every, every moment, every day. That means that everything within our life, we get life that takes place, we give to God as an opportunity for his grace to be expressed through us, for his love to be f- expressed through us. Fervent prayer. Lord, I unite, I unite this red light to you, Lord. Lord, I unite this person who seems to think their blinker needs to go on for five miles. Lord, I unite it to you because I really want them to turn, but they're not going to turn. <laughs> That's uniting things to God, right? Things, common experiences we give to God that he makes extraordinary by his grace. So goodwill. What if when someone got something, an award or a gift that we wanted, we said, that's awesome. You deserve it. I'm so happy for you. That's the remedy. That's admiration. Someone gets a new house, a new car. Whatever it is that sort of is in our uh, horizon, our, our, our field of vision. I'm so happy for you, right? And not, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> We're gritting, gritting our teeth as we say it, but say, I'm so happy for you. And if we don't have that sincerity of heart, then what do we do? Lord, give me sincerity of heart. I want to be sincerely happy for them, so express your happiness through me for them. Always going to the well, always going to the source always going to the summit of our lives as spiritual daughters and sons of the Father. Um, this is difficult. A remedy is suffering for another. Suffering for another. Meaning, so if another doesn't treat us well and we want them to know God's love, we take it in, not take it in where we repress it and push it down and it becomes this ball of hate. But we take it and we say, Lord, see how they love you. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, I know they don't mean it, as Jeff and Amanda shared. You know, I know you don't mean what you're saying right now. They don't mean this, Lord. They don't know how it's hurting me. I give it to you. To always go back to the source, even in pain. That's suffering. And not to say, and then... The other key to this, which is part of the humility, is not to say, you know, I had to forgive this person today to be calling around and, and telling the story of forgiving and suffering. Now, we have some confidence, right? Confidants and spirit directors where we can share, this is what I did, and that's fruitful, that's healthy. But if we find ourselves sharing the sufferings that we've, that we've shared for others for the sake of bringing attention to ourselves, then it loses some fruit. So we gotta be, those are all things to be aware of, but not to be afraid of being aware of, because why? Jesus loves us. So we talked about humility. All right, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The toughest, the toughest, and, and in my own life, just a way of, of disclosure, being the youngest of ten, always, in, in, when you're in a big family, you've always got to protect what's yours, right? you always got to be defending yourself. So there's always this sense of defensiveness, of defending my territory, defending my possessions. Those are my shoes. That's my cereal. All the different things in a big family that you can have. 
But if we are if we are abandoning ourselves to divine providence, then our heart says, "Defend me, O God." People are speaking ill ill of me. They're detracting from my person, my, from my person, of things I didn't do or things that maybe I did, but they misunderstood it. Lord, defend me, O Lord. We don't call them and say, "Shut up." What are you saying? Right? Maybe there's some reconciliation that will take place. We want to say, "Hey, this is what I heard. Can we work on this?" But we don't defend ourselves. We don't get into a fight. We say, "Lord, defend me. You know the truth. You know my heart." To allow the Lord to defend us. So, in an envy person, so then the way it combats envy is, "Lord, I would like this. So defend me in my need for this. If I if this something is good for my spiritual welfare and growth, then give it to me. But if it's not, take the desire away." So praying with these things, again, using the enemy's force against us by rediverting the the energy back towards the Lord. So part of the cure, you know, talk, is in the name. And, Father, and all our talks today are based around Father uh, Robert Barron's teachings of seven deadly sins and the seven lively virtues. And just so I, we, we didn't mention this at the beginning, but the order forms that are out there are for that. If, if you want to get those from Gloria Dale, they'll make sure to have enough on hand for you, either the CD or the DVD. But my Father Mike is going to put his, the talks today and the video of the talks, the audio and the video up on the, his Ablaze website. So they'll be there for you to download at your convenience. But part of the cure, and Father Bob always references Dante's Inferno, the cure for us when we are in envy, and where he, when, when Dante had his tour of purgatory, those who were envious in life had their eyes sewn shut in purgatory, so they couldn't see what others have, right? Can you imagine that? Just always have your eyes shut, but also the eyes of our hearts sewn shut, so that our desires and our visuals are always focused on the Lord. So to have our, and that's even what the name envy comes out of. It means, it means, um, it means, it means to have our eyes closed, right? So when we're envious, one of the things that we practiced at um, seminary, which was a way of using this gift of admiration, um, we called it at for affirmation Advent. Where during Advent, instead of giving something up, we give something up during Lent. But during Advent, we decided we were going to be affirming of our brothers through all Lent, all of Advent. Whatever it was, hey, it's a nice sweater, right? Yeah, you don't look so big in that sweater. You look nice in that. <laughs> that was usually how I how I affirm. So, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a work in progress. So to give to go out of your way to give praise to another. Because you love them and you love the Lord and the Lord loves them. Again, it's all about recentering our lives on Christ on his, and imitating his self-forgetting love, like the Paschal mystery. And this is something else that Father Barron uses in one of his talks, uh, one of his homilies online. He talk, talks about uh, why Jesus uses the child there. He said, when, he, when Jesus says to be a child, to be abandoned to the protection of the Father, that a child and maybe parents will disagree with this, wants to be commanded, or wants to be given order, wants to be given structure. He, the child yearns for authority. So if we can make ourselves like a child, then we'll want the structure of God's love. We'll want the structure of the commandments and the law of law that Jesus expressed to us. We'll want for his, we'll yearn for his authority. My heart's rest, restless, O oh Lord, until it rests in you. And a child can be present in the present moment without any hesitation, without any problems. 
not thinking about what happened five minutes ago. But as we get older, we remember not just the five minutes, but five years, right, and beyond. And so we have to get beyond that. We have to stay out of the past of envy and out of the future of ambition and allow ourselves, again, to like, to like, like our planet, to revolve around the sun, but spiritually to revolve around the sun who is Jesus Christ. Coincidentally, that's why our monstrance looks like a sunburst, like the sun, because our lives are meant to revolve around his love. So one reflection you can do during, we'll be having lunch here in a moment, um, is maybe think of someone that you admire and think of someone you've envied and give them both the Lord during this time of reflection. Um, and then before we do our prayer for the lunch, if we have pizza and it should, I think it might be here already, well, any donations you make towards the, the lunch, we're going to give to Pro Sanctity. So for, the, for, for whatever for the day, it's going to go to them and their capital campaign. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. It is you, O Lord, who accomplish all things that we do. You have accomplished everything in our lives. We add, and we thank you for this gift, Lord. If there is a gift of envy or jealousy in our lives, if we focus on the past or focus on the future, whichever it is, Lord, in our own hearts and our lives, we ask that you center us once again in this present moment, that you focus our gaze on your love, that we, like Mary, can always choose the better portion and to sit at your feet and be fed and sit at your feet and be loved. We ask that as we stand in the light of your love this day, Lord, that you let us first know your love so we can be confidence, confident in your forgiveness. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, and we also will pray our blessing. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.